So today we're going to look at a topic that uh, we very rarely talk about, and that's the, the second coming of Jesus, as we heard in our reading today from 2 Peter. It's, uh, it's one of those topics that uh, we tend to avoid a little bit, and it's a shame really because it's so important, because you know one day Jesus will come back, and we need to know about it. I don't know about you, but over the uh, last few weeks, uh, since restrictions were lifted, or most of the restrictions were lifted, uh, I've been reflecting on the last almost 18 months and what that's been like. And one of the things that struck me was how we've lived with expectation and disappointment. We, we've had both of those things, haven't we? If you think back to uh, March last year, we were all put into lockdown. It was brand new to us. Uh, we didn't understand what this virus was like. And then uh, all thinking, I don't know about you, but I was thinking, oh yeah, by the summer we'll all be free again, we'll all do what we want. Of course, it didn't turn out that way, did it? We had that huge kind of spike that started round about August and then continued until so we had a mini lockdown in November. And then in November we're all saying, oh, we're going to have Christmas with our families. And sadly we were disappointed with that too. Our expectations at those points were just not lived up to. Then it comes to this last lockdown that we've had. And now that restrictions have been lifted, uh, I hear a lot of people saying, well, I'm not sure it's going to stay like this. Because we know what disappointment's like. We've no longer got that expectation that this is going to be the end of it. We all hope it is, but we all know that actually maybe a new variant or something like that may come along. We're more realistic about it. And so our expectation has dropped considerably. Expectation is one of those things that it, it, it can change our motivations and our emotions. It can affect how we behave. There was uh, some research done with uh, a group of students. They were put into two groups and they were told that they were going to train rats. And one group was given, they were told, a highly intelligent form of rat. The other group was given a very thick group of rats. That's what they were told. They were, they were not the brightest bunch. And both these students were trained, uh, were to train these rats to go around a maze. Now it gets to the end of the trial and the students with the bright rats had got the rats to run around the maze in the way that they should have done. The other group failed completely. It was only afterwards that they revealed that they were given exactly the same type of rats. They were neither bright nor, nor not bright. What changed though, were the group's expectation of what they could do. They didn't think they could train these very thick rats, and so they, it affected how they went about their work. And most, that's what expectation does to us. If you expect a bad outcome, more often than not, you'll get one because it affects how you approach a situation. If you expect a good one, you're probably in a better position because you're working towards the, the, the aim, you're working towards the end that you want. Expectation changes all sorts of things for us. You only have to think about Christmas and how every kid starts to behave better as it gets nearer and nearer Christmas in case Father Christmas puts them on the naughty list. It's about expectation, isn't it? 
And for Christians, we've been expecting Jesus to return for a very long time. And we heard it, I mean, in that reading, and, and there are so many passages in the, in the New Testament that have this high expectation of Jesus' imminent return. And of course, it hasn't happened yet. And the expectation that the Christians had changed the way they lived. You know, people often look at those early Christians and think, if only we could be like them. You know, one of the big differences is that they expected Jesus to return at any time, almost immediately, and we don't. It's been 2,000 years now, and our sense of expectation has dropped considerably. I wonder if um, you remember uh, my sermon from last week. Now here, my expectations are low, okay? Uh, can you remember the three points I made about self-control, about where we needed to have self-control? Uh, if you can remember them, that's fantastic, I love you. Uh, if you don't, don't worry, I very rarely remember my own sermons. I don't expect anyone else to remember them either. But I, I talked about how we needed self-control in all sorts of areas of our lives. And self-control is necessary to be able to live the kind of life that Jesus expects us to live. But and one of our motivations for self-control should be the imminent return of Jesus. And the three things I talked about last week, I'm going to talk about this week as well, in terms of how the return of Jesus should affect our attitude to those three things. So if you remember, but the first thing I talked about was how we needed self-control in terms of resisting temptation. And of course, the return of Jesus should shape that for us, shouldn't it? We should be a people who are living holy lives because we expect Jesus to come back. We expect Jesus to return at any point. We do not know the time. We do not know the date. Jesus will come back. How will he find you living? Will you be living as, as we heard from Peter, a blameless life, a holy and blameless life? Or will you be wrapping yourself in sin? How we live our lives in terms of facing temptation, in terms of holiness and godliness, is affected by what we expect from Jesus. And if we expect him to return at any point, that will change, won't it? We will be living our lives more holy. The second thing I talked about was about our relationships, particularly within church. You know, one of the things that it says in the Bible is that, yeah, that the church is the bride of Christ. The people who belong to him are like his bride and he's coming back to get his bride. And he expects his bride to be pure and spotless. And what does that mean? I think it means a number of things. It means that they are believing the right things, that they are holding on to the truth of the gospel. It means, again, they are living holy lives. But I think it also means that they are living well with each other, in right relationship with each other. That's what it means to be the bride of Christ, that we are together, we are united, that we are chasing the same things, that we are living it well together. And expecting Jesus to return at any point should lead us to a point where we're thinking, yeah, I need to make sure that I'm connected to my brothers and sisters, that I'm dealing with hurts, that I'm forgiving people where I need to. 
and making sure that my relationships with my brothers and sisters in Christ are good and solid. Can you remember the third thing? It was evangelism. Evangelism. And of course, for those early Christians, the one thing that drove the evangelistic drive was Jesus is coming back. And as Paul says, he wants to see as many people saved as possible. We do that, don't we? We all want to see people get saved. And if you truly believe that Jesus could return tomorrow, then that would change the way you view evangelism. It will change the way you view how you witness to your friends and your family, your neighbours, your work colleagues. Because we want to see as many people joining us in heaven as we, we can. That will only happen if we are witnessing and sharing the gospel. And one of the motivations, it's not the motivation, but one of the motivations for us to share the gospel consistently and effectively is that Jesus is coming back and there will be a day of judgment and everyone will face that judgment. The people that you love and care for, the people who you associate with at work, they will all face that day. And I don't want them to face that day without at least having the opportunity to respond positively to the gospel. I love what it says in our passage today. Where Peter is talking about how the Lord's patience means salvation. The Lord is holding off coming again so that people can be saved. And that's not just your salvation, it's the salvation of those around you. The Lord is holding off. I want to encourage you today to dwell on the very fact that Jesus will return, that he will come back for you, he'll come back for his bride, he'll come back for all those who received him as saviour. And when we think about it, and when we understand that the return of Jesus could be at any time, it is closer today than it was yesterday. That's all we know. We, we can't assess when he's going to come. It could be today, tomorrow, or in a thousand years. But when he does, will he find a people who are holy? Will he find a people who are loving each other well? Will he find a people who are sharing the truth of the gospel with those around them. Let's be that people. Peter asked that question, doesn't he? Where he says, uh, sorry, let me find it. He says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? The kind of people we ought to be are holy people loving people, witnessing people. They're the kind of people that we ought to be. Would you be that kind of person? Let's pray. Just take time now to just be in the presence of God. I want to encourage you, wherever you are, to close your eyes, to be aware of God's presence with you. Just be conscious of his presence.
What's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Is there one of those three things that maybe he pinpointed last week and he's pinpointing again this week? Our motivation for self-control in these areas is the fact that Jesus will return. What kind of person will you be when he does come back? Maybe right now you just want to recommit yourself to Jesus. It might be that you've never done that and you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time. I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment and I'd love you to pray it with me. But I'm really conscious that there may be people who, who belong to Jesus but you've been living in a way that really doesn't show that Jesus might come back tomorrow. You've been living a compromised lifestyle. You've neglected your faith. For all intents and purposes, you've turned your back on Jesus. Even though in your heart you still believe in him, the way you live your life and shape your life shows that you no longer put your trust in him. I want to call you back to him today. Would you do that? Will you come back to Jesus? And if you've never given your life to Jesus, then do it today. Don't be one of those people who, on that terrible day, that great and wonderful day, when Jesus comes back, are left on the wrong side of the fence. Give your life to Jesus today. I'm gonna to pray, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you that on the cross you took all my sin and my shame and my guilt. You took it upon yourself so that I might be forgiven and live a new life in you. I thank you today for your grace. I thank you today for your love that took you to the cross for me. I pray that you would forgive me for the way in which I have lived my life. I have not put you first. I have not shaped my life around you. I pray now that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that you'd draw me close to you, and that you would walk with me in these days ahead. Be my Saviour, be my guide, be my Lord, be my friend. In Jesus' name.